the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 262 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA that's what we're going to do today, tonight, whenever you listen to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this right after the weigh-ins on Friday, West Coast time, Las Vegas. Fights are going down in Houston. Um, full capacity, full crowds. Wishing you all uh, safety, uh, first and foremost, and, and, and well, of course. And have a good time if you are attending. I know got a lot of uh, listeners from that area or possibly going, so... You know, not going to rain on anybody's parade with uh, with the obvious, but I do wish you guys well and, and hope you stay safe. Uh, hopefully you, you've got your, your vaccinations all, uh, all, all done. Um, you know, that definitely uh, helps the cause, I suppose. But that's not what you're here for. That's certainly not what um, I'm here to do. Uh, I'm here to talk about MMA, right? Uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to do a quick, quick, quick recap of uh, Bell Tour 258, not even a quick... Quick, 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 quick recap of uh, USCN ESPN 24, um, and then we will push on. We'll try to make it expedited as we can, eh? Um, to UFC 262, uh, again, going down this Saturday. Main event breakdown in depth. One nice one there. Over up at MMAJunkie.com. Um, yeah, so check out there and check out all the other stuff we got going down there at MMA Junkie. We got to have uh, Boots on the Ground. I believe J-Mo and Kenny are there. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Bond is there, but anyways, we got everybody. Uh, you can see everybody's faces and work over at MMAJunkie.com. But here, we're going to push on. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do some um, recaps. I've actually got some some shouts and some Amazon reads. I'm actually going to bring those back. I've been like promising them for months now. Um, there's not that much that's stacked up, believe it or not. That being said, I'm very grateful for what is there. Uh, so I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to read that off to you guys um, here too as well. So uh, check the timestamps for when the breakdown starts, and we'll push through the rest rat rather quickly. Uh, not much to say really about Bellator 258. Um, Sergio Pettis defeated Juan Archuleta. I pick Juan Archuleta to win. I uh, thought Sergio Pettis was live, and if he does was live, he was going to kind of have to fight the perfect fight off like that. And Juan Archuleta just has been a little bit too wrapped in to these, like, TJ Dillashaw layers. And um, so if you look at him early in his career, he was much more of a pressure wrestler. So that's something, that's some flags there to watch out for. But good on uh, Sergio Pettis. I may not have picked him, but I've been writing for years and saying for years now, uh, that he is the more uh, technically skilled Pettis brother. I don't think that's like that audacious to say, but now everyone's saying it because he finally has a gold belt. But hey, what do you know? Anthony Johnson defeated some dude. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the Peter Queeley cut either, uh, nor the Michael Page. I did watch a bit of the Lorenz Larkin and Rafael Carvalho because I sprinkled on old Carvalho because you just never know with Lorenz. And 
whether I pick him or don't pick him, like I think Lorenz Larkin's one of the worst fighters. Like I'm out of picking. Uh, he seems like such a nice dude too, and I do like his style. So it's crazy. Like what, what, what gives, Dan? I don't know. I, I can't pick this guy worth a crap. Um, I did actually see a bit of Patrick Mix as well. Um, looking uh, dominant. Uh, I think he's working over Extreme Couture too. So interesting change up there. Um, that's all to say really about Bellator. We'll push on. See, this is gonna be fast. UFC Vegas 26, UFC uh, on ESPN 24, UFC Rodriguez versus Waterson picked Rodriguez by third round TKO, and even though it was a decision, I will say, uh, you know, we, we the third round is where you got the uh, defend yourself, Michelle, defend yourself, and um, we almost got it, folks, we almost got it, that would have been a really nice, that would have paid off really nicely, actually, if, if she would have... <laughs> She would have cashed that. That certainly would have helped because uh, I did really bad. I went 5-4 and four overall, 0-2 in straight plays. Uh, 1-0 for the parlay, though, especially if you listen to the end where I said lay it on Gregor and the parlay. So that definitely saved. Uh, but I'm not going to – well, I guess I could count that. I guess I could say I'm 1-2 and two and 1-0, and oh, right? Um, and I, I mean, I did state it on the podcast. Granted, it was a late attachment. Um, not late. Like, it, it all – it, it all went out with only one version. There wasn't a revised or a here or there. You missed it. Um, you just had to listen to the end for the Easter eggs, which I haven't done in a while, folks. And usually they're not betting-related, so don't blame me for not listening. But I did say it, so uh, that helped, although it was still a losing night. Um, but, yeah, I was right with the Rodriguez. You know, uh, I don't even think uh, Watterson hashtag stop the steal could argue with those scorecards. Macho, yeah. Uh <laughs> <clears throat> uh, we'll see. Alex Morono defeated Donald Cerrone. I'm glad I stayed away from this one, and I told you all to. Um, you know, I think if you got an under, you're okay. Uh, I know some people were taking those shots on Morono, which was risky, but, man, did it pay off, and you guys were right. Congrats to you. Uh, I'm glad I stayed away, but I was wrong on the pick, which was Donald Cerrone, and, boy, he looked... Uh, oh, it's tough, man. It's tough when they get older, and we don't, when, I'm not going to add in because we definitely aren't kind enough to fighters. Um, as they get older, the old commoditizing them, right? Shout out to Aaron Bronstetter, TSN MMA show. Neil Magny defeated Jeff Neal. I was really confident Neil was going to get his hand raised, and I was right. Uh, but I was wrong on the pick. Uh, I took Jeff Neal. Even though even though Jeff Neal, um, and I don't think it was an excuse. I know it got written off that way, but like uh, the dude went through a lot. And we could all play the speculation game, which gets super unfair. Like, oh, well... But Cormier only knocked out Stipe because Stipe was still hurt from a fight from Francis Ngannou. Like, I, okay, now we're stretching a bit far, folks. Um, but, um, you know, but on the other hand, we speculate all these things, and some of them are pretty legitimate, like Jeff Neal almost dying, but then if he comes out and says, like, all respect to Magny um, for winning, uh, but... uh. I don't even think he contested the scorecards. He was just like, I'm going to take a break after this. I, my body's not the same. Da, 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 but of course, excuses. Excuses. And it's like, so we can speculate for days, but if the athlete actually addresses the stuff we're curious about, it's an excuse now. So selective we are. Um, so take nothing away from Magni uh, when Jeff Neal says that. And let's not forget, like, bias to side. And I stayed away from this fight, so there was no betting bias, by the way. This was like a void for sure. Um, so that you know, this but no, this doesn't come from a betting bias standpoint. But um, I did think that there was a good argument for Neil winning if we're really keeping that energy with damage. Um, that the 
the broadcast was making a big deal about volume, and I know that can sway the judges, but Jeff Neal's head movement, at least in round two, uh, was still good enough that I felt that his heavier shots were the more damaging ones. So, that being said, the judges did not feel that way. Uh, unanimous decision for Magny. Um, another one... <laughs> I guess I'm not crazy for picking Marcos for Jerry DeLima, but my goodness, another one that just would have eaten up your money if you were like on unders or, or green. Um, I did sprinkle a little bit green by sub just for fun on fight day. Uh, not much, thankfully, but yeah. Welcome to my house, Rogerio DeLima. Sometimes wins by decision. Sorry. Gregor Gillespie defeated Diego, Diego Fajeda. Uh, this is a great fight. I'm going to reference this fight uh, later because uh, we, maybe we could see another version of that um, for the UFC 262 card. But um, yeah, I was really worried because uh, Diego Fajeda was just looking great and ends in a great position as wrestlers tend to give their back to, to Turtle, uh, and you can't do it to a... I don't know if Diego Fed is a second or a third degree. I know those things get thrown around, so I don't want to go and make that same mistake, but he is at the very least a second degree black belt, if not a third. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, so you saw that. But with a bad weight cut and the energy exerted, I love that mentality of Gregor Gillespie. Pick. He kind of said it, right, in a different way, but it's something I always talk about, right? Uh from the uh, late great Robert Fallis, uh, picking up the pack. And when you pick up the pack, like Gillespie does, it makes your opponent match it. And at the end of the round, they kind of both had to put down the pack. And in fact, it looked like Gillespie may have put down the pack first. But he knew that from putting down the pack to picking it back up, he could recover faster. So knowing how tired he was, he knew and did the math of how tired his opponent was, which is a great math to do, folks, for competitive mentalities. It's what you should think like. And he picks up the pack, and he knows he can run a lot farther with it than Diego Fajeda. And that's what made the difference. It was a pace war. Um, you know, Diego Fajeda answered the question who the better grappler was, which he was on paper. I just thought Gillespie would be good enough. And technically I was right, but it was because of, of more pace than tech, technique, right? Um, which was a reason why I ended up coming back on for the late edition there and said lay it when I saw Fajeda miss weight. Undercard, Phil Hoggs defeated uh, Kyle Dawkins. Uh, Phil Hoggs, man, he's he, he showed to be a complete different fighter and uh, wins the part of the fight that on paper he's not supposed to and does it after being rocked, showing that quote-unquote suspect chin. So say what you will about that chin still and keeping an eye on it, but you got to give credit to Haas, man. I know I was on Dockies here, but all credit to Haas. It's funny, man. You get, um, I think someone, like, one of Haas's family members, like, tweeted at me, like, they did the typical, like, where people do the thing where I have to do the prediction tweets, and people love to do the after-the-fact thing, go, this didn't age well. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, buddy, you'll have, like, a bunch of other chances to do this to me, like, every Saturday, if that's your gimmick. Um, but like this person, you could tell this just was like, cause love the last name. They're like, Oh, what do you think now? I think this is something like that. And I just responded. I'm like, I'm very impressed with Oz, man. He showed a da, 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 da. And they, of course they never respond back when you actually say something positive, because even though they're upset with you saying something negative, God forbid you don't take it personally or, or actually give them credit and their family member credit and like engage in polite, thoughtful conversation, giving credit to what I assume they wanted. 
Nah, nah, no responses on that. It's all about keeping that negative energy, dog. Um, so I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, but hopefully that family member of Hogs is not uh, so butthurt uh, about that because he did a really good job uh, defeating uh, Doc Dukakis there. Um, so uh, yeah, man, no, no, no problem giving him credit where credit's due. I just think, you know, the way people are wired, man. Um, Michael Trezano defeated. By the way, if you're listening to the audio version on YouTube, give this a like because some way people are wired. Uh, it's, it's 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 funny. Like I should have I should get way more dislikes on my videos or dislike people personally. It shouldn't have to like take me. God forbid speaking about like you know a- Asian women getting beat up on uh, for me to generate this much hate. But um, you know th- there are people that go to uh, dislike the videos uh, just like out of habit. So if you guys can combat that, that would be awesome. Give it a like. Even if you're not listening, if you're listening on the iTunes, go to YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA, hit that subscribe button. I don't flood your feeds. It really helps support the show. Um, and if you could even further just like the video, that would be awesome. Or if you are the aforementioned Apple podcast listeners, uh, make sure to give this a five-star rating and review. I got a, a gentleman nice enough to change a negative review. But still, if you guys could help out uh, there, I think I'm still all ma- majority five stars. But anything helps. Again, the way this podcast has been around and, and the consistency that I have brought, albeit not the best, admittedly, lately, um, you know, I don't feel like it's that much. I'm sitting here for like the third year in a row trying to hit 10K followers and, uh, you know, 1,000 subscribers on, on YouTube. Or well, maybe not third year for that, but, you know, it's, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to get into <clears throat> Uh, other methods, but uh, yeah, this this trying to be a genuine dude and offer free content not exactly the best. I should just like go on an ego trip. That seems to work. Um, but no, there, there's actually a lot of uh, good people in this uh, this community. I'm gonna give some shouts actually in the shout section here coming up. Uh, Trezano defeated a little bit Klein. Again, I picked Klein, but I said the line was a bit wide. And even though I thought Klein on first looked it enough, I haven't rewatched it, folks. Um, it was a close fight, so I wouldn't, I mean, it was close enough of a fight where, you know, with these judges, I wasn't exactly surprised to hear Trezano's name, let's just say that. Jong Young Park, the Iron Turtle, my weird sexual breakdown, I apologize for that, defeated, uh, Tafon Ninchukwi, um, by majority decision, um, yeah, I think Jong Young Park definitely won that, uh, obviously, with the points and all, um, and yeah, man, shout out to these Korean fighters uh, beating these like contender series Adonises. I've been on the wrong side of it stupidly, but uh, that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate, you know, Asians doing Asian things, baby. Although it would be nice when like Asians do good things if we're not like, oh, he's someone assuming, you know, that's another part. Uh, you know, that's another part of the reason why I would love to like do broadcasting, you know, as a dream job is because like part of me would like to try to. Where it's fair, you know, even out that bias, you may maybe call some Asian guys explosive once in a while and call some black guys unassuming. I actually think that's a compliment for both if you think about it, by the way. Uh, but, you know, or at least, you know, waters down and it you know, goes against the racial stereotypes doing that for both uh, both sides. But hey, hey, or we could just, you know, do that. Anyways, Carlston Harris uh, defeats Christian A. And I, I love UFC broadcast, by the way. There's good people in there. I'm not, this is, that's, that's a general sports thing. Throughout all sports, I've said that before. Um, Carlston Harris defeats Christian Aguilera uh, via submission. Uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, I picked that one right, I guess. But um, the betters, I guess, who got 
uh, Carlton Harris at Dog Money. Those are the people who should be patting themselves on the back. But yeah, that's uh, that's that card. Um, let's do uh, shouts real quick. Uh, YouTube channel. Speaking of other YouTube, I'm not even gonna shout my. Or I already shot my YouTube channel. But I'm just saying. Let me shout another YouTube channel. WMMA Addict and the A doubles. Uh, there's only one A because it doubles for MMA and Addict. So there's only one A in there. It's W M M A D D I C T. W M M A Addict. Uh, how it looks. Um, does some really good stuff, uh, saying some stuff that, you know, needs to be said. Um, I think he has a Twitter account too, which I follow. I don't have that offhand. Might be, even be the same thing, to be honest. Um, but the dude speaks the truth, man. And, uh, you know, um, you know, brother that keeps that same energy. He cites history and his own history, his family's history with things and contextualizes things as far as within the MMA. And, um, you know, let's just say he's one of the few with, uh, with a healthy take on Rose Namajunas and then the Zhang Weili fallout. And you think he posted some new stuff on that. So I'm not going to get back into that, obviously. I've done a little too much of that. But I wanted to give that guy a shout, though. You should go follow him. Um, fight site I always give a shout to. But, uh, and they always do good content all around. Like my man, uh, Tuman Chungus Khan. <laughs> you might know him on, uh, on Twitter. I don't know what the display name is now. Uh, he's got a great news show. But they... Uh, I, I've been having trouble booking with them because obviously you, you guys listening here know that it's been crazy over here. It still is, by the way. It's just it's all the still don't have a laundry machine. By the way, I'm still having to like find ways to do laundry for like week four in a row. Roof finally got put on, so that's great. Anyways, it's been crazy. Um, so I recommend I'm like you know what? anything I could say um, I, uh, could be said better and. Half the shit I learned, especially from conditioning-wise, I think that was the focus on that episode, um, by Gil Gardado, uh, who you can find on Twitter. I think it's like at Gil underscore Gardado. If you type in Gil Gardado, you should be able to find him, who's a pro fighter. He actually beat uh, uh but he's the head strength and conditioning coach um, over at Extreme Couture, and, uh, as well as Zach Makovsky, who I didn't realize had as much of a... Uh, strength training um, background as he did from his college wrestling days to MMA. And so he was on there. And of course, Zach, uh, you know, former UFC vet, uh, super technical southpaw, uh, you know, wrestler. So yeah, you had Ed on there. Um, it was just a good, it was just really informative uh, for anybody, whether you're a competitor, uh, martial artists, uh, interested in the sport. It's just really dig the stuff fight sites doing with that. Um, shout out to the Chronic Combat Conversation guys, uh, MMA Scouting, MMA Guru, or TB Scouting, MMA Guru. Um, also shout to, uh, my man Die Hard MMA, I think I'm going to go back on there in July. Um, I should probably retweet this, I think, I think I've seen it a couple weeks. I don't know if he's had like a channel shift or YouTube, but I think he's out of YouTube jail now, so it don't matter, but, uh, either way, go, go check him out and, uh, give him some subs, that's a good dude right there. Um, yeah, whether it's his YouTube channel or on Twitter. And I think I'll be back there on July. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, there, 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 there's plenty of, there's plenty of friendly folk. Uh, and on that note, I want to just say thank you for the nice DMs that I've gotten for everybody, man. Like, people just tell me to hang in there, keep doing the show. Uh, they appreciate the show. Uh, I've had some fellow Toretters, which was great. You know, uh, I haven't forgotten about that or any of y'all. Uh, obviously the, 
<laughs> between what's going on in the world and MMA, it's, it's um, my head's been focused on MMA and or as when it comes to side issues, those things. But yeah, my Tourette advocacy has definitely fallen off. I, I was planning to apply for some stuff this year, and I really want to continue on with that. Uh, I'll try to keep you guys posted. I know Tourette's podcast is starting their next season. Uh, also, just got some just nice DMs from people in general, just like, you know, people just, uh, whether it's, you know, brothers from another mother, so to speak, or, uh, you know, uh, a lot of listeners and fans who just have, you know, maybe they married into a, you know, a minority or a person of color, whatever you want to call it, and uh, just kind of got that perspective and, you know, let me know that I'm not crazy, and that was really nice. Um, and then media colleagues, I know I've been very hard on some, I don't know, uh, and... You know, I don't know if word got around because a lot of, at least the good ones, listen to this show, um, and um, and uh, you know maybe it was a bit of that, but like, but yeah, man, I was able to have some more um, conversations in regards to that, so that was that was nice. So I just wanted to give all those people shouts, and lastly, uh, Amazon reads, Amazon reads. Um, someone bought. Muay Thai training exercise, the ultimate guide to fitness, strength, and fight preparation. Thank you for purchasing that. That was awesome. By the way, the Amazon link, it, since this is a free show, if you guys do want to support it, I haven't, especially with the what I've been producing lately, I haven't been advertising it as much, but MixedMartialAnalyst.com, which is linked in my bio, at DanTomMMA on Twitter, where I'm most active on social medias, at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. You can hit us there, but at DanTomMMA on Twitter, fastest, most direct. Uh, and you will find a direct link on that profile to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, where on the right-hand side, there'll be click-throughs for the On It banner, which you can click through, purchase things. I do like the plant-based protein or the On It or the Amazon banner. Click through and you do your Amazon shopping. I know corporations aren't the best. Believe me, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I, I'm not proud that I have to use them. But if we do, hey, let's at least at no cost of our extra cost to our own uh, support good things with it and maybe ease our conscious while supporting good things. You are not just killing two birds with one stone. You are arguably killing three. So if you don't do the on it, on it do the Amazon. On it doesn't give me a, a reading. The Amazon does. Don't worry. It doesn't list me your name or your address. Not that I would read it out on here. So uh, whether publicly or privately, you won't be outed if you want to have a David Carradine special night. You want to order that karate D, karate gi, the, 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 the rope and tassels and the, you know, whatever else you need for that key i don't know i don't quite know um was josh fabian in bangkok around that time anyways uh you won't be outed so somebody bought the muay thai uh training exercise ultimate guide thank you small percentage goes back right here to this show i've got a nice brand new stand that um this money does actually legitimately go to the show it really does help folks that i still have to install here um somebody else got a what is this uh oh uh a a, a fitbit that wasn't cheap uh, that looks like one of the newer models, too, in black. Real nice. Thank you for getting that. Um, somebody got an uh, electricity lantern. Uh, are they going camping? That looks like a camping lantern. That's pretty cool. Um, somebody got a Ernie Ball Power Slinky Nickelwoods, Nickel Wound Set. All right, three-pack. Thank you for getting that. Um... Someone got a Philips Norelco Jet Clean Solution fret set. Thank you. Thank you for those. Feel free to refill on those through the link anytime. Thank you, sir. 
assuming it's a surf for that one. Retrospect Z Bamboo Longboy. This looks sweet. This is like this is like me if I wanted to get back into skating now. Shout out to at TSOV Pod. Like this is like this is like me. This is kind of like the equivalent to me going into the gi because you know, I'm getting older. Um, so I am not going to shame whoever bought the longboard. In fact, uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to tip my hat to you, sir. Not just because you used the link, but this one looks pretty cool. It's like, It really does look bamboo. That That's actually pretty badass. Feel free to DM me and let me know how that rides. Um, somebody bought a Donner 39-inch Jazz Electric Guitar Telecaster. Wow, that wasn't cheap. Thank you very much, whoever bought the Electric Guitar Telecaster. Ah, oh, sweet Telecaster. Dude, is that just like the... Uh, the, the, the um, Oh man, I remember like those old school like '60s. I think like Fender made a Telecaster. Um, anyway, oh jazz, yeah, I, I love. I, I think I think I yeah. Oh yeah, that looks sweet. That looks sweet. That's right up my alley. Um, oh man, oh I love Kigartanas. Oh beautiful. Enjoy that. Thank you, whoever bought that. Really appreciate that. The, that that was not cheap. Um, somebody bought a Naruto Blu-ray. I'm really bad on my Naruto folks, so forgive me, but it just says triple feature for the description. Um, from what I'm aware, Naruto is a very long series, and I'm a bad Asian. I'm a bad Asian. I don't know these things. Um, but thank you for supporting the anime. Uh, again, like I said, MMA is a real big anime, anime space, but you know what? You uh, you, you, you are supporting uh, the MMA space, eh, you know... Um, <laughs> an Asian small business, if you will, uh, by clicking through and doing that. So thank you. Uh, extra extra karma points on your Naruto anime purchaser. Uh, or ma'am. I'm not, you know, I'm not discriminating here. I'm sure we have some, I'm sure we got like a 2% lady listenership, right? I haven't chased them all away, right? <laughs> Jesus, Stan. Resident Evil Village, PlayStation 4 Standard Edition. Oh, that sounds really fun. That sounds fun as shit. PlayStation 4? Which one do I have? I have a disconnected PlayStation 3? Or do I have the 4? Either way, whoever bought that, let me know if that game is... Uh, let me know if that game is cool or not. Um, someone else bought a Back to the Future Blu-ray box set. Okay, thank you. That, that wasn't cheap either, but... You know, you gotta go down Nostalgia Lane somehow, right? Did you become the physical type? Shout out to uh, my man Danny Mahoney, uh, old school buddy of mine, man. That was he, uh, I know he listens for the pod from time to time. Seems like he follows MMA. And uh, speaking of TSOV Pod, who spotted my assault on Precinct Thirteen uh, reference, my man Danny shouted out that, and uh, and uh, I got that. I got that. Uh, I just quoted him there for the. Uh, Did you become the physical type? Best line delivery in any movie, as he says, and I agree with Danny. Back to the Future too. So uh, enjoy that. Thank you guys for clicking through and uh, and supporting. We're gonna go on to the breakdown now. Had long twenty seven minutes, not bad. Let's see if we can wrap this in under an hour, huh? Um, <clears throat> we're gonna go and break down UFC two sixty two. That's why we're here, right? From top to bottom, as per usual. Again, main card, main event breakdown. I should say he's on MMAJunkie.com if you want to find the in depths there. Uh, you can go ahead and do it. We've got. Charles Oliveira du Bronx, minus one thirty-five. Michael Chandler plus one fifteen. It's not Chuck Olives or Charlie Olives, by the way. It's Chucky Olives, and 
if it wasn't MMA Gambler Lance Fischel, it sure as shit was the MMA Analysis Podcast that came up with it. I think where it went wrong is, and this guy follows me, so I don't want to, I'm not shit, and I like this guy, but um, it again, Hooker messed us all up here, though, folks. I think he said Charlie Olives, um, maybe because, you know, he follows me, maybe he probably, you know, checks out this space. I know he did done some breakdown shows. Maybe he, maybe he himself is an MMA analysis listener at one time and got it. And anyways, he uh, he threw it off and it threw off the whole lexicon. So, um, yeah, I feel y'all if you're frustrated with that name. That being said, if you're frustrated with that, then you may be frustrated with me because, of course, I know, I know. This is a matchup where it's you're only with one guy and F the other. It's turning into one of those matchups. And all due respect to the aforementioned podcast, who has every right to stand the man. Charles Oliveira, uh, you know, you know. Aside from that, uh, you know, Dan Tom rolls. Uh, I, God forbid, I I do like and appreciate both guys, and <laughs> and uh, and obviously, you know, most of the people are. It's all good nature. I think we have, who else is it? My man, MMA trader, who's now the Dubonx trader. I always appreciate that dude as well. He's always a he's always, he always gets me to crack up good. So no, I, I appreciate the banter, folks. It's all it's all love. I know, but yes, you know, you also know me. That being said, and and not just me being able to show love for both fighters, but uh, I got bias in the other corner that I got to admit, right? For Michael Chandler. Excuse <laughs> me. Oh, oh, excuse me. Hope that didn't knock out the. Uh... But yeah, um, I got love from Michael Chandler there. Um, used to train with them at Extreme Couture. I was on the mat with them, and uh, I don't know why. I've... Neil called him Bunny at the time. He's like, Bunny, help Dan here with his wrestling. This kid's got to fight. And uh, in comes Michael Chandler, who uh, didn't sign with Bellator yet. I think he only had like some Strike Force Challengers fights, like his first two fights or whatever. And he was like taking fights at 170 even uh, for you know. As stout as he is. Um, and training with them. And then after training, I remember one conversation to say he, he doesn't want to wait for this Bellator tournament to start. He wants to fight. Um, and he's not sure. And it sounded like he wasn't going to wait. And thankfully, he ended up waiting. Ends up signing with Bellator. Runs through the tournament. Uh, his boxing looked good because he was working with a boxing coach I worked with at the time, Gil Martinez, who really instilled you to roll under your crosses and so on and so forth. He later goes to um, San Diego, San Diego uh, Alliance. That's what that's what I was looking at. Team Alliance, right? And um, Neil follows suit. A lot of us w- would end, end up going down there. A wrestling coach follows suit. Brian Keck, um, rest in peace. Another 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 dead coach of mine. Um, uh, and um, but uh, yeah, and uh, a lot of us would go down to visit those guys and train with them, and we would kind of go and like think. Pro was the or Wednesday was the pro uh, wrestling and grappling day practices, and that's when we would go. Um, and um, and yeah, and uh, Chandler, it's, the striking was at a really weak point at that time. Um, you'll hear a lot of people kind of joke and. There's some truth to it, sadly, um, even though as, as, you know, not giving credit or disrespectful as it could be to the people making striking efforts there behind the scenes uh, over the years. But, yeah, that was no secret. That was kind of a weakness of theirs, and hence you had a lot of people. Um, imitating Dominic Cruz was the joke, right? Uh, and not that Chandler did that per se, but that's when you saw Chandler just 
kind of abandoned the boxing. He wasn't working with Gil Martinez anymore. So you saw Chandler have this low-handed approach that was causing him damage even when winning fights. And even though you could argue that he won the Alvarez fight, maybe less of an argument, but still could argue that he won the first Brooks fight, um, he threw the rounds away, really. Uh, even going by the old... I mean, by today's standards, he, he, he didn't win. But um, by the standards of those times... Um, you know, or especially with the way judging trends was and how they were interpreting rules, I should say, especially. I mean, this was almost a decade ago, these fights too, folks. We don't realize Chandler's been fighting about as long as Oliveira. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he took way too much damage and gave those rounds away, and then it catches up to him, and he has that weird TKO loss, which is still one of the weirdest stoppages against Will Brooks the second time, right? Where he loses three in a row, and again, lest we not forget... Charles Oliveira's had some weird late, you know, from the esophagus to the Cub Swanson. Check, please. Like, he's had, like, some of the same stuff. So anybody shitting on either fighter for their past, I think is really just unfair to both fighters because you could say the same thing about both fighters. And they both have matured technically from a maturity level. Um, and say what you will about Oliveira wanting to quit. He has shown signs of from getting fouled to hurt of coming back, right? Things that would do him in in the past, he's shown to overcome those uh, to certain extents, right? You've got to give him credit for that. Um, Chandler, can you still call him a glass cannon and suspect the chin? Sure, I'm not going to argue if, if that's your stance. That being said, when the fuck is Chandler ever? You, you know, all the times we've suspected and whether we're giving cre him credit or not, uh, Oliveira, he, he, he has a, that way more suspicious falling apart, checking out, whether it was gas tank injuries, confidence, uh, bad weight cuts. He's checked all the box, whereas Chandler's a pro, man. He always shows up to fight. He shows up. He makes weight. Bad weight cut or not, you don't hear about it. Win or lose. Um, and say what you will about the chin, or you know, even when his leg wasn't working, with when he got the really bad drop foot, um, that guy doesn't have an ounce of quit in him. You cannot, you cannot look me in the eye and say that he does. The guy does does not have an ounce of quit in him. Um, he's never been submitted as a pro, and the only time I've seen or heard him submit in the gym, he got so pissed he left. Um, and uh, I'm not saying that as a character thing, and I hope people don't take that and use that as as a as a defamation. Um, you know, because I know how that can look. It can look sore, sure. But I want you to focus on the other, other end of that, like uh, to the no quit and the reason why this guy doesn't get subbed and how competitive this guy is. Like, you literally got to put his lights out. He's going to keep coming. Um, and um, he does not like the tap. So <laughs> that might mean he may take a nap for sure. Obviously, anybody betting... Oliveira or Oliveira by sub, like, am I going to call you crazy? No. Um, people saying that he's a third-degree black belt and, you know, oh, if he's in the guard, he's going to be done. I have issue with that because, and, and you know, no offense, I think the person, you know, oh, that doesn't mean anything because, you know, people can hate you and still follow you. But uh, I'm not trying to hate on the person, uh, especially if they're listening, but um, they're, they're just, like, very upset with me posting the Michael Chandler ground and pound clip that was just 
showing his good ground upon. And, uh, and they're just like, oh, you think this is going to mean, you know, anything for Dubronx? He's got anything coming. He's a third-degree black belt. He'll sub people on his guard. I'm like, well, first of all, there's only one third-degree black belt on this card, and it's not Jacare Souza. It's the guy facing him, Andre Muniz. Um, second of all, aside from Charles Oliveira's debut over a decade ago to Darren Elkins, he's only had one guard submission, and that was on a tired and on his way out Andy Ogle at 145 pounds so uh, no actually um, from not just Felder who I and everybody else will cite if you you know are breaking down this fight objectively but even fighters like Pettis granted beat him by submission uh, but did the same thing that Michael Chandler does where he gives the back, which is going to be dangerous to, to Chuck Yalov. I think that's more of a dangerous sub. Front chokes and back takes, that's where Chuck Yalov is going to be dangerous by sub. Um, not so much as guard, you know? Um, watch now, Oliver is going to sub him in the guard. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, especially against Chandler, like one of the best inside the guard fighters trained by the best ground and pound coach, bias granted. Like, can it be done? Sure, but that's amongst your lowest percentage chances in pairings, and relevant pairings, um, style-wise. Um, which is why I'm going to pick Chandler by third-round TKO to survive the storms and stay on top, top the scrambles. Um, he has shown he can be taken down when, when people want to because no one really takes him down. It's hard to see. Uh, but... Uh, you know, like in the Will Brooks fight, and you know that's going to be, oh, you lost to Will, and, and that's not. It's like, dude, you could do you could do similar things to to Oliveira, or we could even look at quality of wins, which people seem to dismiss, and it's like, who's beat? You know, it's funny. It's like, I, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, Michael Chandler, despite only having one UFC fight, has beaten more UFC former UFC champions than Charles Oliveira. <laughs> Right, so it's 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 deceptive, right? You, you, it, it, we could all pick and choose these stats, right, and like make our case by them. But the Will Brooks one's gonna be a real popular one on the opposite side, right? Oh, we lost to Will Brooks, and look what Will Brooks did. Like, that's kind of incriminating in itself that Will Brooks kind of fell apart. But how many times have we seen just stylistic kryptonite and matchups and fighters that make no sense that they beat this guy and they don't beat that guy? You know, Michael Johnson's one of them, right? We'll mention him. Um, He'll come up later too, but like so it, 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 you got to be careful with those examples. It's it's very stylistic, and I know, you know, especially with MMA math. Like, look how you know Brooks took down Chandler, and look Oliveira took down Brooks. Like, first of all, like, if Oliveira takes down Chandler, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. I just think that he's either a if he does it early, it's he's really gonna have to catch Chandler out of position, which Chandler's been much better about. Uh, especially with his in-and-out karate footwork and going to the body. That's helped keep him, keep him centered, and his fundamentals have been just super sharp, which is why he's been on this run, as opposed to those really bad losses to Will Brooks, as mentioned, which is why I kind of give context on Michael Chandler's background on why he looked really bad and subsequently had his worst fights at that stage, even in his wins, if you look at his wins. Um, they could be heavily criticized just as well as the Will Brooks ones that everybody hangs on. But you look at the Chandler of now, the last five years that he's been with Sanford, Henry Hoof now. 
really a lot of you know improvements. Guy that goes to the body, and I broke this down, and I shared it earlier with the fight site uh, on the podcast when we did early breakdowns of these matchups with the top four guys, Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, and Oliveira, and how they all matched up. And for me, I know I'm biased, so I, I'm pretty sure I took Chandler for every one, but um, I felt pretty good about this one. And even people that liked Oliveira admitted that this probably one of his hardest matchups on paper. And a thing that I was citing was in my on, on that podcast, and even though we're kind of getting back to uh, more normalcy in the sense of at least having pay-per-views uh, on different locations, it's still pretty much apex small cage or big cage when it's not the apex. That's still the math. And I used that math when breaking down and specifically said that Oliveira, I think, will have a better chance if he fights Chandler in the apex in the smaller cage. Um, and has a worse chance in the bigger cage because Oliveira can pressure forward and he's gotten much better at countering. Um, but he's still not the best corraler or cage cutter uh, in that retrospect. And in fact, he can be corralled and cage cut on. Um, oftentimes when pre two pressure fighters meet, it's really tough because you want to find out who is the one that's going to be able to keep their game, Right. Uh, I remember looking at like Ferguson Dos Anjos, and Ferguson's pretty much easy guy to pick in that situation because he's always going to go forward, right? And even though he was getting, he started getting pieced up, which people remember all the grappling. And on the second rewatch of Oliveira versus Ferguson, I was like, holy crap! Like, all I forgot how much Oliveira pieced Ferguson up in the standing from counters. Uh, but even though he pieced Ferguson up. Again, against the fellow pressure fighter, Oliveira um, will take back steps. He will get pushed against the cage. Not for the larger stretches, just because the action fighter that he is, it brings about so much positional and cage position changes. Uh, it's hard to get any sustained positions in an Oliveira fight, right? Which is why he's so fun to watch and why we love him. Um, but he can get pushed back, whereas Chandler, it's much harder to push him back. He's always going forward, even when he's tired and beat up, even late into the rounds when he's tired and beat up. Now you focus in the improved fundamentals of his footwork, the in-and-out karate styling, which makes him a lot harder to get a beat on and corral. The fact that he kind of just starts every round like he's shot out of a goddamn cannonball. Um, yeah, I'm willing to bet that he is the guy that gets to keep his game, whereas Oliveira will have to rely more on the counters. Now, the counters are something that's going to be live and he should be actually looking to lean on anyways, right? Um, so that's actually not necessarily a bad thing for Oliveira. But if Oliveira does want to pressure, not only is he up against that, but he also has a big cage to really get guys to the cage where he does his best work, right? Where we've seen him do from Jeremy Stevens and onwards because it wasn't not too long before that Jeremy Stevens fight back in 2015 where Oliveira starts learning to wrestle. However, it's mainly offensive because defensive, we know he welcomes takedowns. So it's hard to tell where his defensive wrestling is. Um, I don't think it's going to be that great, and I don't think it's going to be good enough to stop um, Michael Chandler and the way he chains. Um, Chandler, though, when he does get later, is not only is he more hittable on the feet, he's more countable on the floor. Um, I was talking to Ed Gallo because I thought maybe this could be a good thing um, where shooting and doing those reshots off into low singles into maybe more Iranian finishes um, for positional exchanges when when he's kind of stymied up against the fence like Benson Henderson or I think he did one on Brett Primus as well as Guitiama Uchi and those were all taller submission fighters right competent submission guys um, with guillotines and front chokes the lot 
Um, not necessarily Charles Oliveira, but but good in their own right, all of them, right? So was that a coincidence? Maybe he was doing it to avoid that. However, when I looked and rewatched it, he did a bunch of different shots on those guys. So if that was the game plan, it wasn't like he was sticking to it. And secondly, although uh, I do feel like those things are deceptive, it feels like they're giving front chokes or like some kind of Peruvian. Um, the leverage and the way Chandler does it, even when tired, would make it hard to secure even for Oliver any type of front choke. However, um, it does open up a scramble that exposes the back for someone as crafty and flexible as Oliveira, who's a really one of the best back takers in the division, easily, right? So that's the danger there if this goes late. Um, both guys showed a fall apart late, though, so it's really tough to tell. So basically my pick is unless Oliveira catches him with a knee or uppercut within the first two frames or Chandler um, hurts him to the body and then knocks him out up top within the first two frames, this is essentially going to be decided on the floor, um, a la Kevin Lee and Oliveira, except um, Chandler's choices uh, offensively and defensively and his overall technique and finishing, from even from submissions, uh, much less especially ground and pound, and those positions better than Lee. Um, and we've seen Lee give some... And as much as I love Kevin Lee, I mean, he's, you know... And as much as I was discounting from the guard... He's a guy who will get submitted from guard. You know what I'm saying? As far as like, you know, he will he will tap if you get him tired and hurt enough. Whereas Chandler, I don't know. I think you just got to put him to sleep. Um, if Chandler, it's going to be a technical submission. If Oliveira puts him out, which wouldn't be surprising, folks. I'm not just don't think I'm discounting Oliveira. Like the line is where it should be close with Oliveira favored. I agree. Um, but even without the bias, I still think I would probably lean Chandler here for that grounded pound and uh, body work, big cage. He's got the check boxes for me. Um, it's just his chin, right? His chin. His chin actually worries me in this fight against Oliver more than the submissions. As crazy as that sounds, and no, I'm again, I'm not discounting Oliver by submission. Um, it's either going to be club and sub or a TKO, though I think for Oliveira. Um, uh, whereas, uh, yeah. If you want to go under on these fights, I don't blame you, by the way. What's the under four and a half or three and a half? Under three and a half, two now. Well, that's juiced. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. Under three and a half, but that's that's juiced as hell. Okay, yeah, no. I'd stick to taking sides. Um, I'm gonna sprinkle on Chandler, but not crazily confidently, because I, I love both guys and I love this fight. And uh, that's kind of my attitude in a lot of these fights. So uh, forewarned. Uh, I'm just I'm not recommending you sprinkle on them. I'm just being completely honest, and it's a very small sprinkle, which is going to be most of my plays. Heads up. All right, we'll cut through the rest of these a bit faster. That fight obviously deserves the attention. Check out my main card, BreakdownMMAJunkie.com. Yeah, Benil Dariush, minus 160, Tony Ferguson, plus 140. Uh, this is a tough one, man. This is the first time I think I tweeted this. I, don't, I didn't see the response. I tweeted this before I started recording. Um, there's only going to be one or two championship-level fighters I've yet to officially pick against as an analyst after this because Tony Ferguson was one of them I've yet to pick against, but I'm picking Benil Dariush here. The other two is Robert Whitaker and I believe John Jones is officially as an analyst. Uh, recently broke that with Max Holloway. I uh, picked Volkanovski in the rematch, um, but Max Holloway was on that list, and uh, yeah, no one else is championship-level-wise, I believe. All right, um... Yeah, I'm 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 taking Benil here. Uh, Benil actually opened as the dog, which worries me because I, I see stylistic reasons for my reason, but that feels like it's got MMA betting fingerprints all over it. Where they're like, "Old guy, fade the old guy," you know. Even though Benil Dariush is out here, you know, 
rocking gray gray hairs with a yellow t-shirt with a butterfly on it, which makes me just love him more. He's like, that's totally what I would do. Like, I like this shirt. Yellow looks good on my skin color. This shirt fits nice. Like, that looks like his decision-making, and that is exactly my decision-making. Like, I have such a hard... I used to joke, like, I have such a hard time finding shirts that fit good that, like, a shirt could say cum dumpster, and I might just wear it if it fits well enough because I have, I have such a hard time finding clothes that fit. Don't send me obscene clothing just because you think I'll wear it because I just might, folks. Be careful. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Dan. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I would not wear that. Um, wow. Okay, nothing... <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what kind of kind of hole are you driving? I'm just saying I like Benil Darius's shirt. Wow, that was a really long way to say that, Dan. Um, but yeah, I am worried though that the MMA gamble gamble versus on on Darius here, which is why the line flipped like it did. And then Tony, who granted, it, you know, looked like he dyed his hair, he dyed his grays out. You know, he um he uh, he looks uh he, you know he, he, Tony's starting to remind me, by the way, of like, that drunk uncle at the barbecue. Like, hey, hey, come here. Come here, Chino. Oh, crap. My uncle Tony wants to show you his knife trick again. Has he been drinking? Oh, shit. And you'd immediately look to see how many empty Budweiser's are next to him. <laughs> you know, it's like, come here, come here, kid. Like, okay, he's going to show us his trick with the knife again. Like, that's what I feel like Tony Ferguson's turning into. And, like, he was great at the press conference, you know, the Dana White privilege. That was great. He even got Dana White to laugh with that. And... You know, he's got me worried here. Not that I bet, because I, I, I stayed away from this fight. This is an avoid for me. This is one where you just... This is another fight where it's going to... It's like the Cerrone and... Uh, like I said with Cerrone and uh, Morono. This is going to disappoint you, I think. Uh, you know, you be careful betting this one. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, man. I, you know, any of you plus money bettors on Ferguson, I don't blame you, especially now. Um, but I'm still not sold, and I rarely do the old write-off thing. I'm usually riding or dieting with, with fighters, especially fighters that I've, you know, been the highest on, arguably, than, than more than most, which was Tony Ferguson, but because of his style that I loved, it, it was going to catch up with him sometime, and I, I just think it did, man. 37 years old, he just looks old, and I hope I'm wrong. I, if he comes out, it's going to be one of those, you know, fountain of youth things but with him changing up his camp I, I like that he wants to go back to the old school calling up Brock and his old coaches and getting back to that like the older Tony Ferguson was really scary had much more knockout power for some reason too although as I posted RDA his fight versus RDA is his peak and that little it was funny I did a Tony Ferguson throwing sand and it got like a thousand more views than like the actual like edited video with music and that shows way more cooler shit I, I don't get the internet I'm old but yeah, go check that out and share that. Um, but yeah, man, uh, he's just like, I don't know, man, he's just feeling like that old uncle at the barbecue and shit. And uh, even if he wasn't, um, I haven't seen that one-shot knockout power from Ferguson in a minute. That would worry me, you know, with Dariush, because again, Dariush, if you want to be suspect of his chin, that's fine. Although, again, he's a guy that's going to keep coming, and he's taken some hard shots since his knockout losses, so... I don't know how much weight you do want to put into that, right? Um, so if it was more of a closer to prime Tony Ferguson, um, the way I break it down and why I still ended up with Dariush is because Ferguson, he's actually 4-1 and one against UFC Southpaws. And the last time he beat a Southpaw, again, he looked amazing against Dos Anjos. But to keep in mind, um, that was Dos Anjos, a different version of Dos Anjos. That was 
pre-Perillo Dos Anjos, and that was minus Rafael Cordero Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos was in a transitionary period, which, back to what I was saying about Tony, I'm glad that he's getting back to his old school from some aspects, but he's also changed up his coaching staff and added in random stuff like, you know, Freddie Roach, which, you know, sounded cool when Orlovsky was doing it back for a pre-affliction too, but the year is 2021, 20, folks. Um... Yeah, and I uh, hope Freddie Roach is doing all right, by the way. Uh, my grandpa, uh, not the one I'm going to go bury in June, but the other one that died years ago, died of Parkinson's. The, the one that helped uh, uh, one of ten engineers for the America's first nuclear submarine to beat the Russians. Um, but yeah, so shouts to, shouts to those suffering from Parkinson's terrible affliction. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that means for Tony Ferguson, right? Like, what? To, you know, the adjustment period, you know, because, again, vets aren't beyond the adjustment period and then young fighters are changing camp, right? And he's an older vet. Um, But, again, let's just say we get Tony Ferguson at his prime spinning. Even we get the jabbing Tony Ferguson where he's not afraid to kind of jab and switch stances. Jab, uh, I should say, when he does do so with southpaws. Um, however... Southpaws who can counter, and Dosanios had, you could arguably have given Dosanios two rounds in that fight for effectively countering rounds one and three. And even though Gaethje is not as Southpaw as we saw, counter, people who can sit down and counter can really mess you up. And, you know, Michael Johnson, when you go back and rewatch that fight, I know Tony Ferguson broke his arm uh, toward the early stages of it, but if you look at what Johnson was doing, it was kind of similar. And he was sticking, moving, countering, sticking, moving, countering, sit and sitting down on his counters. Sticking, moving, sitting down on his counters. Sticking, moving, sitting down on his counters. And although Daryush has had some performances like that, and he's also had pressuring performances, right? Um, again, when you're against the guy who pressures more insistently, usually the more insistent pressure fighter is going to win out, which is what you have to determine. And like I previously stated in the previous fight, Tony Ferguson is generally that guy. Even late-stage losing, Tony Ferguson is still that guy going forward, right? So I think that'll bring that out about Daryush, even if it's not already in his repertoire. I also think that people who can kick can do well against Tony Ferguson. Evens out the length. He's got the long legs that can be kicked, even pre-knee um, injuries and, and surgeries, right? I was re-watching older Tony Ferguson fights, and that was something that's always kind of been a problem with him. Um, and Daryush can kick all three levels, body, head, legs. Like Those are all going to be real useful. Um, let's not forget the head kicks were there for all day for Eve Edwards, right? I know I'm citing an older fight now, but southpaws, um, that open stance head kick. Uh, because Tony dips a lot and mainly does fight from orthodox and is a wrestler at heart. And like I said, with any type of wrestle, even though he's not a wrestle boxer, but any type of those ingredients, um them southpaw or lead leg high kicks seem to be really potent, don't they, right? So that's going to be something for Dariush as well, as well as the counter lefts. Those were just shots against all southpaws that when they threw it, they hit Tony Ferguson very well. Um, and let's not forget about the wrestling, which I think a lot of people forgot about before the CDF fight, even though that's how he beat CDF the first time. But, of course, if you were listening to this podcast, you were reminded that ahead of time, that's how that 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 was going to happen. Excuse me, and that that Darius can actually wrestle and scramble a bit. 
um, which I think should even look even more impressive. What a shorter notice missed weight Fajeda was able to do to someone like Gillespie, who can grapple, scramble, and wrestle. So the fact that Duryush was able to like just kind of stay calm and not even like gas himself out like Gillespie did by breaking the leg locks and keeping top positions on a Carlos Diego Fajeda, I think he can do it on Tony Ferguson, right? Uh, again, that was the criticism on Tony Ferguson. Even people you know who like Tony uh, would always say whether you know they're picking Lee or picking Khabib potentially or any kind of wrestler. They you know, look at look at what Lee was able to do despite losing. Look what um, uh, Danny. Uh, What's his name? Team Alpha Male. Danny Castillo was able to do right. Um, so there's there, there's definitely that too, uh, which I think Benil Dariush will be equipped for. Um, now, gas tank wise, this was a five round fight. I have a much harder time picking Dariush against a late Ferguson, and I and and I would in that case pick even a closer to prime Ferguson over Dariush, uh, because I don't think. I think Darius's gas tank could be questionable. Uh, that being said, even if Tony comes out in a vintage form, unless he's able to hurt Darius, which Tony's had to do a lot to guys to hurt him, right? He's really hit the blade. We haven't seen one shot Tony in a while, which is weird. Um, but unless he's able to do that, then I think Darius is going to be able to win the first two rounds, and he's essentially just going to have to have a hellish round three, or he will have... We will have been right more than I wanted to be right, and Tony really will have been washed, and he'll just have to cruise to round three. So he's either going to have a hectic round three or a cruise to round three, but I feel like Dariush takes us in the cards. So I wish you luck under betters and Tony Ferguson betters here. I, I really, I hope you're right, because that means even though I'm a Dariush fan, my guy Tony Ferguson wins, and we get an exciting fight. So I hope I'm wrong. I genuinely do. But the pick is Dariush by decision. Um, which you probably get some good odds on that. Maybe some decent odds on fight goes to decision in general. Maybe I don't know. Fight goes to decision is cheaper than Darius, so I actually maybe would look at that. But no, because that's chalk on a crazy fight. Don't listen to me. Caitlin Chukagian minus one thirty. Viviana Araujo plus one ten. I ended up going with Araujo for staff picks. I actually went back to watch some of their fights. Chukagian has been much better about sitting down, variating. Um, she looked really good in what fight was it? Um, one of her last fights, but I believe that fight was on short notice for for both. Um, it was Cynthia Calvillo and Calvillo. I don't know what she's doing at 125. Um, it was even more of a height edge than what Chukagian will have on Araujo. And by the way, Araujo and Chukagian's reach will be the same, so it won't be too crazy much of as much of an advantage as she had over Calvillo. Also, Calvillo's strengths are not doing that. It is wrestling. Um, she just wastes time. And sadly, in this transitionary phase with COVID and camp jumping and moving up to 125, it does not feel like she's just leaning more into that. Uh, so I'm not trying to take away from Chukagian's win because she did look good in that win. But you also have to contextualize it with who she was against. Um... And Araujo, I like, man. Araujo will actually go to the body. She has gotten away from it as the rounds have gone on. I hope she does that here, especially seeing uh, with the target that it presents at 125 uh, for Caitlin Shukagian and whether it's the cut assisting that. But uh, she doesn't seem to like the body shots too much. Um, I think that's what made her jump guard to Shevchenko, even. Not even just the Andrade fight. So we'll see if Araujo picks up on that. Um, her gas tank hasn't looked super suspect. Uh, as I thought, uh, it looks like she's making efforts in her pace management. 
I think she's just going to land the harder shots. So I'm going to go with her here. Um, I'm just not super confident. I may sprinkle, but it's nothing I would be confident. This should be like an avoid fight for sure. But uh, I'll probably take and I'll probably end up sprinkling on Araujo. Um, again, I just think she's going to land the harder shots. And uh, this could be a fight where she dusts off her... Um, her offensive shots from a wrestling perspective, because I believe she's got some judo and jujitsu creds um, that she started off with, uh, actually, is you know, so she can she can kind of do it all. But um, this this would be a good fight for that. Uh, I don't think Chukagian wants to or will be able to uh, do what she did to Antonina Shevchenko um, as far as that goes. So I'm gonna go with uh, Ada Ujo here. I think Ada Ujo she'll taste the power. And that will make Chukagin revert to the more key-eyeing off not striking and striking at air, as opposed to the actual better striking that she's actually been doing. Uh, we'll see. I could be very well be wrong, which is why I'm not confident at all. But uh, I'm going to pick um, Viviani Araujo. Also, I think Chukagin has kind of vocally admitted that like she could be retiring soon, which you know you always got to wonder about that as a flag. So we'll see with that. Um, next fight... Um, Shane Burgos, minus 145. Edson Barbosa, plus 125. This is a surprising one for me. Like Michael Chandler, Shane Burgos is also one of my favorite fighters on the roster, man. You guys know I've always been a big Burgos fan. Um, You know what? I don't know if I've ever picked against Burgos either. I may not have, um, but I will be picking against him here against Barbosa. Um, he looked like he had a good weight cut. Sounded like he was on, on pace, you know, and had a really good camp. Saying the right things in that regard to my man Aaron Bronster on TSN. That is Shane Burgos. Um, but Edson Barbosa also saying good things, you know. It is sad that only took only 10 years for him to finally get what he deserves contractually from the UFC. But, you know, he's, he's, he's grooving. He's used to having kids already and having family, although he might have a new mamacita. I don't know. She looks awfully young. Uh, but as he's growing the hair back, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's feeling that second part of his career, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's now adjusted at ATT, adjusted at 145. Um, I like the things he has to say. He feels like he'd be a guy just for fun fights or collecting a check and I wouldn't blame him. But the fact that he actually wants to make a title run, uh, Barbosa, like these are the things you want to hear from a fighter, you know? Um, he's always training and staying in shape. Um, he always shows up to fight. Uh, so I'm actually going to take Barbosa here, and not just for those intangibles, um, because uh, on the other end of the interview, intangibles as well. Um, you got uh, Burgo saying that um, he needs to remember that he's not just a pressure guy, that he can fight on the outside. And he was kind of bragging about his f fight with Cub, that he showed a different shame that he fought more on the outside, and I don't like that. He's got a long jab, but that long jab gives away to leg kicks, and he doesn't have a high guard against a kicker. I mean, even Bobby Green, and you guys know how much um, I stand and defend that style, right? Not just with Burgos, but with Bobby Green. Even Bobby Green had a hard time with that. He doesn't like kicks. You know, I was rewatching the Bobby Green versus Venata fight and some other stuff, and I'm like, yeah, even now, like, kicking is the key to, to Bobby Green. Um, you, you really got to kick that guy. And a similar style, in a lot of senses, is Shane Burgos. Um, and he hasn't fought the most dedicated kickers. He's fought some kind of Muay, Muay Thai brawler guys who were more fist-first, like Thiago Trator early on. But he hasn't fought dedicated kickers. And even with guys who don't kick as much, like Josh Emmett, 
if you go look at the stats, everyone who kicks on, whether it's to the legs or anywhere else, they're landing in the 90 percentile or upward on Shane Burgos. And now you're so from the stats to the visuals test, you have a style that doesn't stack up well with kicks, and now you're going against Edson Barbosa. Now, Barbosa didn't kick a lot in his last fight because it was a strategic thing, which is smart. It shows that this guy can still adjust strategy, even this late in his career. And it got to show his boxing, which I know people criticize Barbosa because they think he should have heavier hands because he's muscular. I'm not sure that's how it works, folks. Uh, and I'm not throwing shade by saying that. I'm just saying it's something that I just see everybody say, right? Um, and and you got to take that into account. And I'm, I'm not going to overcorrect and be like, well, he was dropping Makwan Amerikani. Makwan Amerikani has a suspect chin and gets dropped a decent amount in his fights. Um, I'm aware of that. So I'm not going to get too excited about that. But what I will say is I did like that Barbosa shelved a lot of his kicks and used a lot more of his boxing. And say what you will about the power. Um, he was doing things he hasn't always done, like tempo changes with his right hand, um, different kind of step-offs with his right hand to land the one-two, kind of like Stipe will, step off with a jab or uh, and then land the cross on the other side. Uh, not as flamboyant as the one Masvidal got hit with by Wonderboy, but like similar things. And then he would build off that later in the round by stepping off to that side, but then levering, uh, levering hooks, body head, and then knocking him down with the second one to the head. Like, again, I know that was Makwan, but the fact that he was able, um, the fact that he was able to hit those things uh, in close and just show that boxing, because that's where Shane Burgos, I think, is going to want his best chances. But if Burgos is telling himself and trying to remind himself to fight on the outside and show this new thread, like this is the wrong thing to do. Even against Cub Swanson, like Cub Swanson's kicking game looked. Like, it, it was able to convince me that he had a shot against, like, you get your God's day after rewatching that fight, right? You know, and he was able to convince the judges for a split decision or something, majority a decision or something like that, which I don't blame. Cub, Cub was able to get deceptively close off that. Like, so between stylistically having these things to deal with to Burgos perhaps making some tactical choices that will make the row even harder to hoe, um, you know, a harder road ahead, I... I don't, I don't know if I like that, especially if Barbosa, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. I've said this, and I'll stick to this. I will start fading Barbosa religiously once he returns to 55 pounds. I think then the miles may have caught up to him. However, I have to treat him like these other warriors, like whether it's like, uh, you know, like these Luis Palominos or the Rafael Dos Anjos, I guess more UFC-relevant names, Brazilian, uh, where like, you know, these Brazilians, they get, they get, they get the early stereotype back in the day in betting was that they were front runners, you know, like like they were all like, like like you looked at them all like how I looked at Worley Alves, you know, that's how they, everybody treated all of them, kind of a deal, uh, you know, for you know unfair stereotypes, right? Uh, but the truth is, man, I, say what you will about within the fight, longevity wise, these Brazilians seem to last longer than most, man. They're just warriors. They go out there and they do their thing. I think Barbosa is just one of those guys, man, who. He might not be the world champion, even though he wants to be, but he's always going to be a guy who goes out there and it's not an easy out. So for plus money, uh, I'm going to pick Barbosa. I'm going to stick to the pick. Um, I hate playing this fight either side because I like both guys and it's a fun fight. So it's another one where I, I just want to say you should stay away from, uh, like Dariush and Ferguson. However, like Oliveira and Chandler, which could also fit that bill, I will be sprinkling a little bit since I am picking the dog here. I'm not recommending you to sprinkle on Barbosa, but... I'm, I am sprinkling very lightly on it 
for what it's worth. Full transparency, as usual, on this show. Next fight, Matt Chanel, minus 155, versus Rogerio Bontorin. Did he make weight? I know he was the last one, and he has trouble making weight. Um, so for that reason, and I've been on Bontorin before, despite those reasons, even though he just, you know, just because he's got that stopping power on the feet, and he's got the jiu-jitsu and, and, and the farm strength. However, I've been wrong. I've been wrong too much backing Montorin, and I've been wrong too much picking against and or even playing against Matt Schnell. So in the big cage, uh, I like Matt Schnell to bounce around and out point. Uh, small cage maybe bet Montorin. That's another big thing, you know. I think the small cage really favors Montorin, whereas the big cage really favors Schnell. All the more reason to back the favorite here. Um, I don't know if I would play Schnell if it came down more. Perhaps I would. Um, but no, I respect uh, both these guys. I've been wrong on both these guys, so it'll keep me away regardless of the pick more than likely. But the pick is Matt Chanel by decision. Maybe Matt Chanel by decision actually worth looking at. Uh, although, you know, maybe he can hurt him and get him out of there, Bontorin, right? Who knows, especially if it was a bad weight cut. He was the last to hit the scales. Next fight, Ronaldo Souza minus 130 versus Andre Muniz uh, plus 110. I don't know if this is Ronaldo Souza. This... I think this is another mess up, guys. I, this looks like the guy that got knocked out by by Kevin Holland to me. I don't think this is Ronaldo Souza. This is this is uh, Ronnie Souza. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they keep. You know, it, it's pandemic era. I want to, you know, the the UFC staff is overworked. I don't, you know, I don't want to come down hard on them. But this looks like a mistake, folks. So there's no way a guy named Ronnie Souza is going to beat Andre Muniz because Andre Muniz has a third-degree black belt, which not even Jacare has, if that's who you know we think is coming out here. But I don't know. This guy who I've been seeing come out is not 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 um, not Ronaldo Souza. This is Ronnie Souza. Um, so it breaks my heart. But I think Muniz takes a decision here because unless Ronnie Souza. Uh, can can knock him out standing because again he's not he's not gonna submit Muniz, um, but Ronnie Salza also has a really suspect gas tank. It is really old and falls apart. So who knows? He might get knocked out. Right? Um, it's I hope I'm wrong here. I really do, folks. I'm taking Muniz by de- and Muniz by decision. Although Jack Hermanson did almost sub Jacare, so there's that. God damn it. Um, what does the fight go to decision? What's the odds on that? Plus 100 if the fight goes to decision. Maybe you sprinkle on that. <laughs> I think this goes to the decision here, folks. It's going to be sad. Um, next fight, Mike Grundy. My, minus 125. Sounds a lot like Michael Bisping, Mike Grundy. That's right. I'm here to stay. Mike Grundy. Uh, Pedro Munoz. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Terrible Michael Bisping. Uh, Lando Venata, uh, plus 105. Yeah, I was actually looking at Mike Grundy here, and apparently so are a lot of people. I think he opened as a dog, did he not? No, he opened as the favorite. Um, uh, but I like Lando here. Um, shit, I might even play him, which sucks because like Lando's a guy you don't trust with your money. Uh, that's why I don't. I think I, I I I usually pick and even play against Lando. It's rare for me, right, to play Lando. Um, so I may sprinkle on him small if I do, because Grundy, I like what he's saying. Again, shout out to my man Diehard MMA. I think he tweeted, tweeted something saying Mike Grundy talking about chipping away. That's the right thing to do. Because Venata gasses. But Grundy, he hasn't been to a decision much either. And 
granted, he thought he was going to get a finish against Evloev and probably squeezed his arms out on the choke, but he didn't exactly look fresh in rounds two and three either. So I kind of worry there. And I don't think, you know, Venata, even though he's a better wrestler, uh, I think he's a good scrambler and a good enough submission fighter. I think he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. Wrestled in college folk style. Uh, brought in a bunch of uh, wrestlers and judo guys and, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, he's stacked up a lot of grapplers in like, the Nick Urso Jackson Wink Academy, which I'm interested to keep an eye on. It seems like an offshoot of like Jackson Wink that like still gives a fuck. <laughs> um, throw ponies. Throw ponies all day. Uh, you know, he's not doing that shit. Giving the same advice, it looks like. So, real interested in rooting for that Nick Urso. Maybe he can do a good job over there. Um, he's got some other guys in camp with him, like Kevin Aguilar, who we'll get to. Um, Venata looked great on the scales. Uh, he looked great leading up. He looked like he was in, in shape, in better shape than he enters his fights in before he even entered his camp. Uh, more diverse. He forgets about his jab, and he's more of a single-shot guy, but so is Grundy. Um, Counter-strikers and just really skilled strikers in general have been the kryptonite for Venata, but... Um, Grundy has a counter right hand, and he should be developing that. That's something to watch out for. We haven't seen him in a minute. You know, you look at his camp, those step-back counters from Darren Till to um, Tom Aspinall. A lot of those guys have that shot. So that'll be curious to see. By the way, he's going to have Terry Edom in his corner. I wonder if we're going to get a Terry Edom and um, Edson Barbosa picture. That would be nice. Genuinely. Um, but yeah, so maybe he could have that. But as far as putting punches together, diversity coming forward or off the counter, Grundy hasn't shown that. I have a hard time seeing him add on enough for me to confidently pick him against Venata, who can kick and jab. And that seems to be a real nightmare for Grundy. Uh, even though he can counter kicks if they're low enough and naked enough for a takedown, that'll be worrisome. But again, judges are going to keep that same energy and Grundy isn't able to get submissions. Um, he's... I haven't seen enough ground and pound um, or enough positional riding. When guys can turtle and stuff, they can seem to fight hands and get out okay. So I, su so I suspect he'll have a hard enough time holding Venata down, much less doing damage. Um, so I'll, I'll take Venata to do the more vision-friendly, round-winning offense, as Jackson Wink tends to do, and as he has the diversity and athleticism for at least two of the three rounds to do. Um, and again, Grundy hasn't... hasn't hasn't shown me that yet, so uh, I'm not going to pick him, much less play him at chalk for something he's yet to show, even though I want to. <laughs> so I'm going to go go Venata here, and I may just sprinkle too small. Uh, speaking of small sprinkles, uh, Antonina Shevchenko, minus 120. Andrea Lee, plus 100. Shevchenko almost at minus 150, so yeah, that came down rightfully. So a lot of name value she gets, uh, unfortunately. She can't live up to the hype, you know? And I like Shevchenko. She's got um, a nice hard southpaw kick. What is Andrea Lee against um, against southpaws? We'll see. Uh, but volume, she doesn't really put it out there. She hasn't shown that one-shot power. And grappling, there's a lot to be desired. Um, Andrea Lee can let people up just because she tends to almost overflow her positions. Uh, too much instead of holding positions smart and that's how she gets herself tired and doesn't make hay with positions and makes her fights uh, closer than they need to be. That being said, this could be like the one fighter where she can actually risk that because uh, I don't think that Shevchenko will have the get-up ability. 
Uh, and Lee may, this will be the one fighter where she might be like, you know, let's let's just keep it on the ground. And she's got some decent judo and takedowns from that base, along with her jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai creds. So from the clinch, um, she shouldn't be out of sorts, especially since a lot of fighters have quietly found some reprieve against the clinch, whether, you know, it was um, Modafferi or otherwise. Uh, so I think she pulls herself out of the three-fight skid. Um... Here, let's see. She's not many southpaws really uh, in these divisions in general. And uh, I'm scrolling all the way down to like Invicta days, and I'm not recognizing any too. So it will be real interesting to see her against southpaws. But I'll, I'll take her here, and um, you know, judges are human beings too, which is this sounds really fucking sexist and awful to both women and judges and. Well, I don't mean it toward the women, but I do mean it toward the judges. Judges are human beings, folks. And just like the things like trash talking or cocky or a late shot will make them go with the other fighter. Because like, there's some moralistic shit in the back of their head. Like, speaking of Michelle Waterson, mom chant. Like, and her getting a bunch of BS decisions and like rounds she probably shouldn't have got. I don't know if it's Sal Diamato or who it is, but like... I always joke, I'm like, okay, let's see how many judges have Asian girl fetishes because we'll see how many split cards uh, Waterson gets. And that's not shitting on her, women, or this, that. Just, again, Waterson, don't make me go back into breaking her down. Not the biggest fan of her style. She just does a lot of really BS stuff to try to steal rounds. And um, to the point where I'm like, okay, a judge must be like, focused on the hot chick and like not looking at the other chick or something like that's the only reason that sounds really bad for me even to put out in the universe but i honestly do believe that's true and i don't think it's right uh, uh um you know i think people should talk about girls as a skill and that's what i largely do on here i'd like to think uh, so hopefully no one takes offense by me saying that but yeah i just feel like there's a lot of that shit going on and uh, i feel like andrea lee in other words can go out there and win some rounds she doesn't necessarily win as well Although she's had splits go against her way, so, you know, say what you will. Um, wow, Dan, that was really educated and made you come off great. <laughs> Just saying, I feel like the judges are swayed by stupid shit sometimes. It's like, oh, because sometimes you just focus on a fighter for one reason or another like I do this with guys like I did it with uh, like I just said I was rewatching um what do you call Venata versus Bobby Green you guys know I'm a Bobby Green fan I had to stop the fight about halfway through and start rewatching it because I I caught myself and I was like Dan you've just been watching what Bobby Green's been doing this whole time because you love Bobby Green Bobby Green isn't fighting this weekend um so uh, again I'm I'm calling myself out too, and I'm I'm pointing out the overall principle that wasn't an attack on land. I'm just saying we're human, and we can focus in for the wrong reasons, because we like uh, for whatever reason we like a feather more. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyways, I'm gonna go truly <laughs> my decision, and I sprinkled on her there. All right, Dan. Wow, way to dig yourself in and out of holes all day, and you while wow, you're still in one. Uh, Jordan Wright, minus 115. Jamie Pickett, minus 105. You can get plus money on Jamie Pickett. Take it. It's probably going to be Jamie Pickett by decision. I may just play Jamie Pickett by decision. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I feel like both these guys have just been able to do what they want on the regionals. And they've been legitimately stymied and had their confidence questioned for different reasons. Justfully so. When they've stepped up even on a contender series level. so Or UFC levels of any sort. So I feel like both these guys are going to fight conservatively because um, they really need to get this win. 
and in Jordan Wright's case, maybe afraid what might comes back at him. So I'm going to take Jamie Pickett by decision. If you can get plus money straight up a picket, I say take it. Um, Gina Mazzani minus 190. Priscilla Cachoeira plus 165. I'm going to take Mazzani here. Uh, a little biased, even though she's not an extreme tour anymore. Definitely, uh, you know, friendly with the local scene here. Always was a sweetheart to myself. Um, Priscilla Cachoeira, not a huge game to speak of. Heavy uppercuts and hooks, obviously. Uh, aside from that, fish out of water on the ground. So um, I don't know if Mazzani will get easy takedowns, and hopefully she won't get dissuaded. A hard shot could dissuade her, so this is definitely an avoid list on the avoid list. But I will pick Mazzani a little too wide for me, though. Next fight, Tucker Lutz, minus 120, or Kevin Aguilar, plus 100, Angel of Death. Angel of Death. Um, shout out to Best Camp of My Life and Rodrigo Del Campo. I, too, think of Slayer every time Kevin Aguilar, so that makes me like him just based on that. Uh, but Kevin Aguilar has been real let down, even in stylistic spots where I thought he, he should have done. I picked against him, but even when I picked him on stylistic spots, I thought he should have done well. He still didn't come through. Um, that being said, I'm picking him here. Uh, he also was with some small gym in Texas, and that's what worried me here. I'm like, oh, man, we're still in pandemic. It's a Texas show. They probably just called him up and said, do you want to fight? But when, when I looked at it, like, no, this guy's taking it seriously, the skid that he's on, man. He changed things up. He's now working at that Jackson Wink, Nick Ursos, training with uh, Venata and some other notable guys down there. Uh, looks to be in great shape. And that was the thing. Like He wasn't changing it up. He was just kind of being the same, same Kevin Aguilar, same people, same this. He looks in better shape, different preparation. Looks like he's been training hard during this time off. Um, and uh, against Tucker Lutz, I think this could be a decision or Kevin Aguilar makes a statement. Um, either way, uh, I feel like Kevin Aguilar is going to win. I sprinkled on him small. This isn't super confident. Because Tucker Lutz reminds me of Rafael Asuncao. He seems like a real stymieing fighter. And those can be really hard to pick against, right? Like uh, Will Brooks, again, he was a, a very stymieing negative fighter. And against an offensive fighter like Chandler, like we were bound to just get weird fights if you look at how those two were matched up, right? Uh, now, Aguilar, not an offensive guy. He actually kind of likes to counter, so we could get a really kind of low-volume fight here. Um, but Tucker Lutz, he hasn't beaten anybody special. You know, uh, doesn't look like he's, he's still training at the same small camp ahead of this one. Um, doesn't make the adjustments that you want to see. So to have that kind of a stymieing style without being proven, um, without at least having, like, you know... Uh, the jiu-jitsu game to respect like a sunset has or this or that and without that experience the uh, shown ability to make adjustments i don't think i think he would already have to win on a fine margin and i think that margin becomes even finer so i don't disagree with this fight being close line closely but i do feel like the wrong guy is favored here um and i think it's uh, it's a momentum case so i actually like kevin aguilar here um sprinkled on him a small not saying you should too, but if you want to, that's where my. If you're curious on where, where old Jack Burton's putting his money, uh, is uh, Dan Tom. I mean, is uh, is over here. Kevin Aguilar, small, small, small. Christos Christos Yagos. I always think of Iago from Aladdin when I see this name. Christos Yagos minus one ninety. Sean Soriano plus one sixty five. Um, I'm avoiding this one as well. I'm picking Yagos to wrestle box. Soriano. I haven't followed him on the regionals. Uh, I know he's coming off of a recent win, I believe. I 
want to still say he's still training in the South Florida scene. So I'm sure he's at a strong camp somewhere. But I, from what I remember, he would make questionable decisions. And Yagos, when his gas tank's in order and he looks good on the scale, which he did, um, he usually can wrestle box if the person's not too strong, a prolific finisher or too high level of a fighter uh, standing across from him. So it's probably a parlay piece, but I don't have the balls to take it. Um, I think it's safer than the Gina Mazzani minus 190, but like not safe enough where I'm telling you to parlay it. And I w- wouldn't know offhand. Uh, who to parlay it to? Maybe you do Yagos and Schnell or something uh, for uh, for a lot of comeback. But this isn't really a part. These are all really closely lined fights. It's hard to be confident for a reason, folks. I feel like I'm copying you out, but I feel like I gave you a decent analysis and that this is just, it's more so just um, a tough fight, you know, or t- tough fights to call. You know, uh, only did about half the analysis. Tape study is strong, as I like to do, which... Sadly, it's been more than lately, but, you know, again, you know me. Always full disclosure, always honest with you guys. So uh, I'm probably going to be sprinkling on those dogs, um, like I said, like of, uh, you know, maybe a small sprinkle on, on Chandler, maybe a small sprinkle on Arauja, which I definitely wouldn't recommend. Small sprinkle on Barbosa, Small sprinkle on Muniz, possibly. Uh, small sprinkle on Venata. If you can get pick it at um, plus money, small sprinkle there. Sprinkle on Lee. Sprinkle on Aguilar. I mean, sprinkling on enough of the dogs that you should still come off okay without, uh, if, you, if you just go dog crazy without, like, over-investing on, on any of them and you keep a nice, you find a nice base minimum amount and you kind of just fire off for fun there where you're okay with losing those, I still think you'll come out on top if you play light and not too heavy. Uh, unless you have stronger feels and reads and have coincided with other referential reads that are also as strong as mine that I'm missing. I've not listened to any other podcasts yet, so I don't know, but... Those are my reads, folks. All right, from the top. Let's see how we did on time. Oh, wow, minute 25. This is definitely not expedited. Sorry, folks. Um, taking, uh, hey, but I stuck to fights this this whole episode. How about that? Taking uh, Chandler over Oliveira. Taking Ferguson, or taking Darius over Ferguson. Wow, that's so weird to say. Taking Araujo over Chukagian. Taking Barbosa over Burgos. Taking Schnell over Bontorin. Taking Muniz over Souza. <laughs> taking Venata over Grundy, taking Lee over Shevchenko, taking Pickett over Wright, taking Mazzani over Cachoeira, taking Aguilar over Lutz, taking Yagos over Soriano. Good luck with your picks and plays, folks. Thank you. Please uh, give the five-star ratings and reviews. Subscribe on YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA. Please give it a thumbs up to help balance it out. The negative trolls out there, appreciate the shares. We'll try to share and respond when I can at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms, at DanTomMMA, on Twitter, MixedMartialAnalyst.com for the on it and Amazon click-throughs. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your next.